Hey, welcome to TPT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. I have with me today Jake Pavorsky and Josh Brown. Jake, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me. Good to hear. And Josh, how about yourself? Doing well, Dan, here in the TBT equipment closet. Uh, there's boxes everywhere. We're getting ready for the Jamboree, so a busy time up here in Boston. So the truck's getting loaded up, and are you going to drive it down? I'm driving it down. I have my gloves ready. I have my trucker hat ready, all ready to go. <laughs> You're a driving gloves guy, Josh? Oh, yeah, big driving gloves guy. That steering wheel gets hot, Dan. Josh, are you a Twitter guy? Huge Twitter guy. Jake, how about you? Yes, I am all over you've Twitter. A- Jake, you've actually got a verified mark on your Twitter account. I do. It looks fancy. That's pretty big time. Are, do you follow the tournament on Twitter? How could I not? I've been following it for years now, from the days as a GM uh, all the way to now. At the tournament on Twitter, Josh, right? At the tournament, correct. All right, quiz time, Jake. What is our handle on Instagram? It is the dot tournament for reasons because uh, the person who has the tournament would not give up their account. That that greedy, greedy person. <laughs> exactly right. Josh, where where are we on Facebook? How can you find us there? Yep, you go to facebook.com backslash the tournament. All right, so we're talking today with two of the people that probably know the most about the teams that are playing in TBT this year, especially these teams that are playing in the Jamboree. And that's what we're going to do in this podcast today. We are going to analyze the matchups as they're set to take place in the Jamboree this weekend on June 17th and 18th in Philadelphia at Philadelphia University. Uh, Some would say not only the birthplace of America, but also the birthplace of TBT, uh, the location where we launched in 2014. Josh, I know you're looking forward to the Jamboree, right? Yeah, I really am, Dan, and I've been looking forward to it uh, really since we announced it. Great concept. We're going to dive into really some of the great teams we have. We have a really good 15-team field, which we're going to obviously talk about in the podcast. But yeah, really looking forward to it, Dan. And Jake, as a Philly native, uh, TBT is something that you've watched kind of grow over the years, having participated as a GM the last couple of years and now working with us uh, on the TBT program. But what are you looking forward to seeing this weekend at the Jamboree? I'm looking forward to seeing all the talent, especially the local guys from Philadelphia. There's so many players from the area, whether it's Drexel, it's Philly U, LaSalle. And I'm also interested in seeing the, the debut of the Elam ending, something we've talked about and hyped up over the past couple of months. An incredible idea, something that could definitely revolutionize the end of professional basketball games, even collegiate basketball games at any level. I think it could be very useful. Uh, I'm very excited to see that in action and hopefully resulting in some very, very fun, very entertaining endings to some games. Definitely. And then for those that don't know, the Elam ending is going to be a new way that we're going to end these games at the Jamboree. Basically, what happens is at the four-minute mark, first dead ball after the four-minute mark, you add seven to the team that's in the lead, and that becomes your goal score. And then it's the first team to reach that score. The clock has no impact on the end of the game at all. We think it's really going to eliminate all of those end-of-game fouls that uh, don't work, frankly, anyway. So basically what happens is like if you have an 82-80 to 80 score, Josh, the goal score is what? The goal score would then be 89. So it's the first team to reach 89. So if you're the team that's at 80, you just have to go on a 9-6 to six run in order to win that game. So that's going to be a really interesting thing. I know all the teams are excited about doing it. We've had many of the teams that joined the Jamboree join it specifically for that purpose. So that's going to be a really fun thing to see. Guys, let's talk about the first game in which the Elam ending is going to be played. It's our 9 o'clock game airing live on the Watch ESPN app, ESPN3, if you don't have the app. That's going to be the Las Vegas Chess Center against the Broad Street Brawlers. This is a West Regional matchup, so the winner of this will move on to play primetime NYC on Sunday. Uh, Jake, what stands out to you about the Las Vegas Chess Center versus Broad Street Brawlers matchup? 
Well, you look at the Broad Street Brawler as a team that is comprised of basically entirely Philadelphia guys or guys who at least have either played here or lived here at some point during the career. You have Christian Burns and Peter Alexis, guys who played at Philadelphia U for multiple years, have home court advantage there. And Christian Burns, the former D2 player of the year, uh, is a guy who has, has played at a very high level, has continued to, to do have success in Europe with his professional teams over there. He's been in Italy and some other countries. Uh, and you have the, the, the Givens brothers, Sammy and Shannon. Uh, it's hard to beat a brother connection there. I imagine you'll see some pick and rolls between the two of them. And you'll, you have Chris Fouch as well, who's one of the best players in Drexel history, who has a long story uh, career at that school, I think is going to be carrying a lot of the offensive load for that team. You can't sleep on the Las Vegas chess club, um, but when you have a team of all Philadelphia guys that are going to be in the area and will have their family and friends out there, it's certainly going to give them a, a leg up on the competition. Josh, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, yeah, I thought Jake said it great. I'm a CAA guy, as we'll get into, and Drexel, a member of the CAA, the Colonial Athletic Association. And um, the Drexel guys, the way they've kind of retooled their roster, that being the Broad Street Brawlers for the Jamboree, has really been interesting to watch. Again, joining with that Blue and Gold Club. But yeah, I'm really excited to see uh, Fouch play. Chris Fouch, like uh, Jake mentioned, one of the real all-time great dragons in their program history. A real, a little bit of an undersized guard because he plays the two. He's only 6'2", but he'll play uh, the two guard, but he's real good shooter. He can get to the hoop. Really an electric player. Um, and, you know, the Las Vegas Chess Club, too. I mean, uh, you got to love just playing under that banner, that Chess Club banner. Uh, just kind of puts them at the head of the pack already. But they have a couple of notable TBT guys. I mean, um, looking up and down the roster, Preston Ross has been in, uh, you know, he's uh, has his connections to TVT. Uh, Wink Adams is a very good player. He went to UNLV. If you look what he's done overseas and really in college too, he's won. You know, Dan, you like to talk about the guys who've kind of won everywhere, you know, in everything that they've done. That's Wink Adams. He wins everywhere he goes. So really two good teams and a great way to start off the Jamboree. Yeah, that Las Vegas Chess Center is really an interesting team. John Cookeroo was actually from Gloucester, Mass, but he played on the, I believe, the freshman team and the JV team, which they still have at UNC Chapel Hill. And while he, down there in North Carolina, made connections to all of these guys. So when you look at that Las Vegas Chess Club, the Chess Center, rather's uh, roster, most of those guys are from Charlotte, Raleigh, uh, you know, areas in North Carolina. So that's really an interesting squad. And I think Wink Adams clearly is a dynamic point guard. It's going to be very interesting to see how they come together. Kirkaroo, by the way, is a poker player. And uh, in addition to playing poker, he also plays chess. And that's where that comes from. So he's been very involved in the chess community out there in Las Vegas. So that's going to be our first matchup on Saturday, 9 a.m., live on the Watch ESPN app and on ESPN3 for those of you who don't have the app. That's going to be the debut of the Elam ending. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Nick Elam's going to be there in person, guys, to see it. You ke- yeah. yeah, be- yeah. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, sorry, cut out for a minute. Um, yeah, I mean, Nick there is going to be great. I mean, I can't even imagine being him and watch, like, his kind of creation just come to fruition. Just crazy to see it come out. I mean, that's kind of the story of TBT. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Really excited to see Nick and, and kind of watch the Elam ending through his eyes to no see co- how it kind of ends up. Yeah, no question. All right, the ten forty five matchup is going to be a Midwest matchup between the Peoria All-Stars and the Philly Dimes. These are two teams that got in. Uh, I believe on the last day, both of them, for the qualification for the Jamboree. And they're playing the 10.45 a.m. game, also live on the Watch ESPN app. The Peoria All-Stars versus the Philly Dimes is a pretty interesting matchup, Josh. I mean, I kind of feel like this is pretty much a toss-up. You know, like, I don't, I don't know that I would necessarily favor one team over the other here. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Dan. I mean, uh, you look at the Peoria All-Stars, you know, 
talent-wise, they match up pretty similar. You just gotta love their story, though. They really determined to go play uh, at in you know at Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois. These are all Peoria guys, um, which is rare in TBT to get all these guys from the same hometown to play together. And when you get two teams that are you know very similar talent-wise, it kind of just comes down to uh, you know who wants it more, who dives on the floor for a loose ball, and uh, you know you see the Peoria All Stars in the the kind of the way um, or how seriously they're taking it and the, you know, the, the degree to which they want to go to the Midwest region and play in that region. you got to be inspired by it. But uh, the Philly Dimes, too, really good team. A couple of uh, notable names on that team, whether it be uh, Eric Copes, a center from George Mason, really dominant in his college days, has had a good overseas career, and a couple of other ones in there, too. So I think you said it perfectly, Dan. Real, two real even matchups and two good stories on both uh, sides there. Jake, what do you think about this matchup? What do you got? Uh, looking at that Philly Dimes team, there's a guy by the name of Rasheem Wright who's going to be a guard for them. 6'4", uh, played at the University of District Columbia. He's 35 years old, has been all over the globe, a, a globetrotter at this point, playing in many different professional leagues uh, around the world, played in the Turkish Basketball League just a couple of years ago, and has won some medals as a member of the Jordanian national team, which is really cool. He's won a couple bronze with them in uh, several international tournaments. I think he's going to be the kind of guy that leads the team, not only from a, a vocal perspective, but also from a scoring perspective. Uh, a guy with that kind of experience is someone you're going to want the ball in his hands, and as a, a two-guard is going to light, the, the, uh, light the, the game up, I think that he's going to be the guy who kind of carries the load for them. And then you have Kevin Burwell as well, a, a Philadelphia native who went to Mississippi Valley State. He spent some time in Kosovo on a very good team over there. He's going to be your floor general type. He's going to handle the ball a lot. He's going to look for his teammates and try and set them up very well. Uh, I think that's a team that does not have a ton of depth, uh, but I think it has a lot of players that can fit in uh, their skill sets, uh, complement each other very well. Those overseas veterans that are in their 30s that have been playing forever, those are the guys that you always got to watch out for. It's unbelievable. Like if you've been playing professional basketball, I've said this all the time, but for over a decade internationally, you just know how to play. I mean, that's really impressive. Um, Peoria All-Stars, a couple things to look out for. Um, I've heard good things about Lawrence Alexander. So he's the, uh, I guess, the shooting guard for that team. 6'2", went to North Dakota State from Peoria, Illinois. That's a guy to keep your eye on. And Brett Bisping uh, just graduated from Siena College. And uh, we've had a lot of success and seen a lot of success from guys, including guys that you know very well, Jake, uh, from Siena. Um, anyways, Brett just graduated from Siena, has been one of the top players in the MAC for the last four years. So that's really someone to keep your eye on for that team in Peoria All-Stars. That's going to be our 1045 matchup on Saturday morning there in Philadelphia. The 12:30 is another Midwest uh, tilt as they say uh, between Reach One Teach One and the Gotham Golden Knights. This is a game that um is going to be really interesting. The Reach One Teach One team was the first to register in the Midwest region so they got their selection. They specifically picked the Gotham Golden Knights to play. Uh, I think this could be a dangerous matchup for the Reach One Teach One team, uh, Jake. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I like the, both those teams, and I think the fact that you have two New York squads that are based there that really want to go at each other, I think it's going to change the dynamic of the game. It's also, those New York guys, they play a different style, especially the ones who are in some of those involved in some of those street ball leagues, uh, some of the different style of play there that you're really going to see uh, on the TBT level that you're not really used to. And I think um, some of these teams don't necessarily have some of the bigger names that the other teams in the Jamboree do, uh, but when you're playing another team that you know very well and that you've been competing with and some of the same 
same circuits over the past couple years. That changes the dynamic of everything. Uh, one guy I like from the Reach One Teach One team, especially, is Shaq Thomas, a guy with some D1 experience at the University of Cincinnati. It was just there a couple years ago, started 25 of 28 games uh, just two years ago. Is going to be a solid force uh, on the wing for them. Just 6'7". Uh, I, I think he's going to carry a bit of the load for them and uh, and be one of the standouts for that Reach One Teach One team. But when you're, you're, you have two teams that go up against each other and know everyone's tendencies, uh, it can change things uh, very quickly. Josh, we were talking before that there's a little, there is some familiarity between these two teams, between the Gotham Golden Knights and the Reach One Teach One team, right? Yeah, I mean, you you got to respect GM and coach Jeff Harris. You know, uh, I don't know if he um, thought it was the best matchup too, or, or he just went for the rivalry. But either way, going right at a team like the Gotham Golden Knights again, they play in New York all the time. All these guys know each other; they know each other's game. Um, you know, does that give one team the advantage? We'll have to see, but. Um, you you just gotta love uh you know him going right after the challenge going against their rivals in the city of New York and uh, the Gotham Golden Knights I know have uh, on the other side have a couple of really good players uh, as well Kevin Josie who I know Dan has a nice tidbit about um, which I'm sure he'll get to and then Malik Jenkins is a guy too who I actually a couple of hours ago I was looking up a couple of these players online and Malik Jenkins is a really dynamic player he can uh, he's six eight but he can play like a guard. Um, he has really good hops. He can get up. He can dunk. He can rebound. So really good players on both sides here. Um, and again, you got to love the rivalry game, them going at each other right off the bat. Yeah, two of my favorite personalities in TBT are on this um, this Gotham Golden Knights team. Kevin Josie, for those that are into TBT trivia, was the first player to ever show up and register back in 2014. Uh, the day before his game on that Saturday, or actually that Friday, he got up at 4.30 in the morning, drove down from New York down to Philadelphia, and was waiting for us when we showed up at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, wasn't necessarily banging on the glass, but he was breathing on it for sure. And then uh, John Taylor, who's the GM slash shooting guard for this team, uh, is a musician. And he actually composed a song that closed out our uh, podcast a couple of episodes ago to try to get Cody Thompson, the 1,000-vote uh, fan winner from the Bracket Challenge in 2016, to vote for his team. Just a really interesting team. I think these guys are all going to play hard. This Reach One, Teach One team is kind of a combination of uh, a few guys from the Alphas, which was a team that applied, as well as a few guys from the New York Metro Reunion team. So they've kind of come together under this new banner of Reach One, Teach One. So that's going to be a really dynamic game, I think, um, closing out the Midwest at the 1230 game on Saturday. The 215 game features a couple of teams that have played in TBT before. The City team versus Charlotte Elite. City team was one of the 2014 originals that competed back in the original uh, tournament. Actually lost to Notre Dame that year, uh, the 2014 champions. And then Charlotte Elite, which was a 2015 competitor uh, in TBT, uh, GM'd by Jamal Slayton. Jamal, I'll get to this at the end of this, but Jamal's got one of the best stories about trying to get votes uh, on the last day of qualification, I believe in 2015, but I'll tell you that in a little while. Um, Anyway, City Team versus Charlotte Elite. These are two really talented squads. I think City Team also having been the first team to register picked Charlotte Elite to play, Um, but there really was not an obvious selection here for them to play. I mean, Charlotte Elite is a team that is very talented and has played together quite a bit. Yeah, you always got to watch teams like Charlotte Elite. Again, they're it's kind of the prime time uh, model. You know, they play together really all year round. They all know each other, so it, it's going to be inevitably a tougher matchup. Even if they don't have um, all of the names that you might recognize, you know, that chemistry can really kind of come back to haunt you. But uh, I love the City team too. I think they have a couple of really good stories on that team. Antonio Anderson, who had a great career at Memphis, he played all over the world. He's back coaching high school basketball now in Lynn, uh, his native town. 
town of Lynn, Massachusetts. Um, uh, you look up and down the uh, roster, Anthony Ireland, really one of the great overseas players, really, uh, and, and also had a great college career at Loy- uh, Loyola Marymount. So he's another guy uh, with TBT experience who you have to watch um, as well. Uh, Joel Smith, shout out, representing my school, uh, Northeastern, the first NU player to ever play in TBT. He uh, played a little bit overseas. Now he's back coaching in college. So a lot of good uh, players, a lot of good stories on this team. They haven't, a couple of guys on the team haven't played overseas in quite a few years. So you you got to wonder if that comes back to haunt them a little bit. But I, you know, with the talent they have on this team, I think they'll be able to put it together right off the bat and they won't have a problem getting that motor going. Jake, what stands out to you? Yeah, uh, Josh made a good point there about the age of some of these guys. Antonio Anderson is in his mid thirties. So, uh, Thomas is thirty three. Aaron Johnson is several is um, more than a decade removed from playing college ball at Penn State, and that is a roster that doesn't have a ton of depth as compared to Charlotte Elite, which is. Uh, uh, 11 or 12 guys deep there. Uh, when you have some guys that haven't played professionally um, over the past couple of years, and all of a sudden they're logging heavy minutes because of they, they don't have the depth of that roster, uh, that can end up catching up with them towards the end of these games. But They do have some players uh, that have played at high levels that know what this is like. Doug Thomas is, is a bouncy big man uh, who is definitely going to be a force for them down low. Anthony Ireland, I believe, is the leading all-time scorer at Loyola Marymount, which is impressive given the history of that school uh, back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, so there is certainly some talent there. It's whether or not they can hold up over the you know the the two halves that we have here uh for tbt yeah i think that um your points are are pretty well taken i mean i do think that the city team is going to play fast and i think they're going to get up and down the court and try to get as many possessions in the course of the game as they can but generally those are some guys that maybe haven't played in a couple years but they know how to play and i think you can't really underestimate that i also would say this about charlotte elite um, they're going to take their cue from Jamal Slayton. And the story I was going to tell you was that back in 2015, on the last moments of the qualification to get in, uh, Jamal was literally standing outside of a Chick-fil-A, getting as many votes as he possibly could in those last five to ten minutes. And as you know, there's no place busier in the South than a Chick-fil-A at noon. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they, they're going to be a team that really plays hard and that they're going to really make an effort to play. And there's a there's a great Philly connection there with a lot of these guys as well on Charlotte Elite. I think that's going to be a really great game, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that one in particular. The 2:15 game is the, like I said, the City team versus Charlotte Elite. The 4 o'clock game features probably some of the bigger names that you're going to see in the Jamboree this year. Uh, the Brothers That Ball team versus ATL Hoops for Hunger, and Brothers That Ball is led by former McDonald's All-American Josh Selby, which is a, um, a, a name that I'm sure many basketball fans are going to recognize, and certainly every TBT fan would recognize as well. Um, but this is going to be a really dynamic matchup between these guys from Baltimore versus a bunch of guys really from the Atlanta area, Josh. Yeah, this is the matchup I'm probably right off the bat most looking forward to watching. And, and uh, again, two great teams. I'm a huge Josh Selby guy, really. Uh, obviously, his days at Kansas, and then he's really had a great overseas career after the NBA kind of avoided him, uh, or you know, it didn't quite come to him. But uh, he's had a great overseas career uh, and really brought together a really talented cast. And the thing I love about BDB is you look at Selby, you look at a guy like Kenny Boynton who played at Florida, you look at Deshaun Knight from Illinois State, but very well-known across the college basketball landscape. And, um, you know, you say, all right, they have a really good core of three, four guys, but it really goes a lot deeper than that. I mean, even you look at a guy like Devon Sadler, who played at Delaware, really one of the best players that ever suited him up for the Blue Hens. And he's just kind of a guy who people might kind of glance over when looking at the roster, but uh, really has the ability to be one of the best players in all of TBT. So a really deep roster, 
by Josh Selby and company. But you can't count out ATL Hoops either. I mean, you have Langston Nolly, who put on a show um, his first time in TBT in 2015. You have guys like uh, Courtney Pigram, who's done a really good job, um, both in his professional career, and he had a great career at East Tennessee State, too. So a lot of talent on both sides of the court. BDB really deep, though. It's going to be kind of hard to overcome all the talent and all the depth they have on that team. Jake, what stands out for you on that one? I really like the BDB team. And I think one issue that Josh Selby has run into over the past couple of years and something he would probably admit is that he built a team that necessarily didn't really fit well together. You had a lot of guys who were more interested in putting themselves first in front of the team, and that typically resulted in early round outs. Uh, the roster he's assembled this year is very well put together, and I think it's going to be filled with a lot of guys that not only play at very high levels, but will know how to play uh, with each other and know their roles. Uh, Nick Faust is playing at a very high level in Israel. Kenny Boynton is in one of the best teams uh, in Russia. So this is a team of, of very solid guys will be able to score the ball and will be able to have an impact in the game, but will also know what their role is and will help elevate the play of the team as opposed to just focusing on their own play. So I think it's going to be a, a tough matchup for ATL Hoops. But we talked about Langston Nolly, a guy who averaged almost 30 points two years ago uh, when he helped take Atlanta Dirty South to the Sweet 17. Uh, when you have a gunner like that and a guy who can just you know light up the scoreboard, that's someone who's going to be tough to overlook. And I, I know a lot of those BDB guys aren't necessarily known known for being uh, great defensive players and more known for being offensive guys. So this could end up being a shootout. I think it's definitely going to be a shootout. I'll say that without any question. Langston Nolly, you guys have said, had one of the greatest opening weekends, I think, in TBT history uh, in 2015. Just incredible. A couple names to keep your eyes on on ATL. You mentioned Pigram. DeAndre Bray, five foot five point guard. He used to play in the ball-up tour under the name Mosquito, is a name to really watch out. These small point guards in TBT always seem to do well. So I'm... I honestly feel like this one is is totally a toss-up, too, because you've got some length. You've got a lot of athleticism on ATL hoops. Charles Ridley is going to do nothing but demand defense from these guys, and if he sees even a second's worth of lack of effort, I think they're going to be pulled out. So that's going to be a really interesting matchup on that team. The the thing that I'll say about the ATL hoops as well— is that there's this whole culture of money tournaments that take place all around the country. You know, whether it's the one up in Rochester for 25000 the one down in Miami for ten, or the one in Nashville for ten. These guys from ATL Hoops play in those events. Langston Nolly, DeAndre Bray. Um, these guys play in those events all the time. And there's something about those types of game scenarios versus what happens in your typical long season overseas or even your long season in college that lends itself to a certain type of player. And ATL Hoops has got a lot of those guys. So I would definitely be on the lookout for this game as being another close one, which probably all they, they all will be this weekend given how uh, much is on the line. All right, the 545 game, again, live on the Watch ESPN app, ESPN3, if you don't have the app. The 545 game is going to be our northeast first Northeast regional matchup. United, the Rutgers alumni team, versus Silver Springs Willows runners. Silver Springs is employing a strategy that uh, we've seen a couple of other teams pull, uh, employ here with respect to building their roster. Um, both they, Broad Street Brawlers, and the Charlotte, I'm sorry, the city team have only carried seven guys. And I think there's a little bit of strategy there, guys. I think what they're trying to do is maximize their ability to augment their roster once they make it through this weekend. They'll be able to add five players to their roster if they win those two games. And I think that's what you're seeing with the Silver Springs Willow Runners. They've only got seven, but the seven they have uh, are really high-level guys and guys that have played together for a long time uh, down there in Maryland. Uh, Josh, your thoughts on this on this matchup? 
Yeah, I'm looking a real close look now at uh, Silver Spring. You look at the seven guys, you have guys from New Haven, UNLV, Stephen F. Austin, Quinnipiac, which is up and coming, uh, LIU, uh, New Haven again, and Old Dominion. So uh, it's hard to beat that uh, in uh, TBT. I mean, that kind of core of seven right there, that's a really good core with a lot of um, good college experience. So credit to them for putting that uh, core together for the Jamboree. But you look at United, they're a really deep team. You know, I know uh, Jake has a really interesting tidbit about this, but um, just on the surface, I mean, you look, like uh, you look at guys like Miles Mack or Miles Mack, Kadeem Jack, excuse me, um, Omar Greer. Uh, you know, you kind of can go up and down, and they're guys who college basketball fans know, uh, and they know because they had really good careers at Rutgers. They added uh, Tyreek Duran from LaSalle, who we all know from TBT. He played with that LaSalle alumni team, 20th and only in the past. He's a really he's a killer. Uh, he can get to the hoop. He can shoot the ball. Really good point guard. And the last guy I'll mention, um, who I think that all TBT fans should be watching out for, is CJ Geddes, the seven foot one center. Really interesting story with him. So he played three years at UNCW, which is really one of the best mid-major teams in the country right now. They've made it to -to back-to-back NCAA tournaments. But uh, after their first tournament appearance in 2016, he transferred to Rutgers uh, and played one year at Rutgers, and he became a fan favorite really right off the bat. Uh, He doesn't really put – he doesn't score, you know – that much he you know eight to ten a game which is again very productive but where he really shines is he rebounds and he plays great defense and he's a shot blocker so uh the Rutgers fans have really kind of known to or come to love him and I've seen a lot of chatter on Twitter they're really excited to see him suit it back up for United here in the Jamboree. Jake there's a couple little little tidbits you had there about a little bit of a rivalry of maybe not even a little bit but just a really intense rivalry between at least one of those players in Silver Springs and this United team. Yeah, we talked about earlier how the, the Reach 1 Teach 1 and the Gotham City Golden Knights have a bit of a rivalry just from their days playing against each other in, in New York. But I think this one between Silver Spring and United is a little more personal. Uh, Silver Spring's uh, point guard, Jerome Seegers, who was actually in Sweden uh, playing professionally this past year, spent three years at Rutgers. Uh, and he came in that same recruiting class with Miles Mack, Kadeem Jack, spent some time with Dane Miller. Uh, they all played together at Rutgers. He was there for three seasons. After his third year, he decided he wanted to transfer to Auburn. Spent a month at Auburn before coming back to Rutgers, which is basically unheard of. And then ended up leaving Rutgers to go to UNLV. Had to sit out a year and ended up playing and finishing his college career with UNLV for the 2015-16 season. But Seegers actually ended up suing Rutgers. He was uh, at the school during the time Mike Rice was there, Rutgers' former head coach who was caught up uh, in a scandal of verbal and physical abuse towards his players. He was one of a couple guys that actually ended up suing the school. Uh, so I think this has become uh, you know a battle here that is going to be a little bit personal. Some guys, I think, may feel like... you know. They were abandoned when he was at Rutgers. You know, maybe Mac and Jack are, are two guys that, that may try and pick on him, may target him, and, and try and slow him down a little bit to make sure, you know, they know uh, their presence is being felt in this game. But it, that team is actually really, really good, despite the fact they have a very short roster. Zade Hurst, who played at Quinnipiac, was the leading scorer in the LEB Gold, which is Spain's second division last year. He averaged over 20 points per game. Uh, Jamal. Olasaware, I apologize if I mispronounced his name. That is an incredibly difficult name. Uh, won a gold medal with the Nigerian national team during the 2015 FIFA Africa Championships in Tunisia. And Deshaun Walker, uh, who played at Stephen F. Austin, has been a, basically a champion whatever, wherever he's gone. Uh, he hosted two Maryland State titles at Springbrook High in the Silver Spring area. Was a, an NJCAA Division I champion at South Plains College at JUCO. And also won the 2014 Southland Conference title with Stephen F. Austin. So that's a guy who has a pedigree for winning. Uh, 
uh, a very good roster top to bottom. Uh, but I, I think the dynamic between uh, Seegers and some of his former Rutgers teammates are going to be a very interesting uh, aspect to watch while these two teams are playing. Yeah, and I think you're going to see a lot of Rutgers fans there in attendance at Philadelphia University as well. So that's going to be a really great game to see. Again, that one's the 545, the Northeast play-in at the Jamboree this weekend, June 17th in Philadelphia at Philadelphia University. Guys, the last game of the night is the 7.30 matchup between the champions and Stars and Stripes. Wesley Paul is the GM of this team. He's a lawyer from New York. And I have to say that the amount of intrigue around this guy for me throughout the application period was very, very high. He was the first team to sign up for the Jamboree and the last team to submit his roster. And what's amazing is that the roster that he submitted is really legit. I mean, the, the first name that stands out there, Jake, for me is Earl Boykins. Five foot five point guard, thirteen year NBA career, but Earl Boykins. I mean, what did they, where did that come from? Yeah, that was that was an absolute stunner. When I was going through these rosters late last night, I, I saw his name on there and almost couldn't believe it. And I had to text Dan in the middle of the night: Is this actually the real Earl Boy, Boykins that is playing? Uh, a guy with an NBA pedigree, spent over thirteen years in the league, made a ton of money, scored a lot of buckets. Uh, he's only uh, he is five foot five. He's the second smallest player in NBA history behind Muggsy Bogues. And although he is forty one years old, guys who are smaller like that have been dealing with disadvantages their entire life. I think that he's going to come out and actually still play at a pretty high level. Uh, because he knows the limitations of his game, what he's able to do and what he can't do. And I think that regardless of what his age, he knows what his niche's role is uh, on the team. But they're also going to have probably the smallest player in TBT and also the largest player, Mamadou Njai, who played at UC Irvine. Seven foot six, one of the tallest people in the world is going to be ha- uh, holding down the paint uh, for Wesley Paul's team. Going up against a Stars and Stripes team, that their tallest guy is only six foot seven. Uh, that's a guy who might have a triple-double, and part of that triple-double is in blocks. Like, I don't know who's scoring in the paint for that Stars and Stripes team. Uh, so that is a, a very good team with, with some pedigree. You have Chuchu Maduobum, who's a Sixers cult legend. Kenny Satterfield, who spent some time with the Sixers in the early 2000s, as well as the Denver Nuggets. Uh, a very well-put-together team. Props to Wesley Paul. Uh, top to bottom, And when you're looking at names that come across from the Jamboree, uh, the most notable team in terms of getting some real names out there. Josh, your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, uh, first of all, I love Wesley Paul. He's become like my favorite person in TBT. <laughs> <Me too>. uh, <laughs> really, like you mentioned, really uh, credit to him for putting together the roster. I We were talking before. I mean, it's kind of a David uh, versus Goliath matchup. I mean, uh, the champions, they have the names that Jake mentioned, Earl Boykins. You know, I don't have to go through them again. But, uh, again, really good team. But I do think you kind of see a, a kind of an underdog, scrappy mentality in Isaiah Walker. And you see so much in TVT how, um, you know, Goliath, uh, or uh, David can beat Goliath in TVT, and he actually does quite often. And I think uh, when you have a guy like Isaiah Walker, who's so determined to win. He's so determined to get in the field of 64. Um, They have, like Jake mentioned, a little bit of a shorter team, so they're going to play small ball. They're going to get out and run. They're going to shoot the three ball and transition a lot probably, and I think that can be a dangerous matchup. You know, if they come out and they hit a couple of threes in a row, they get some transition buckets, you could be all of a sudden find yourself in a tight game. So uh, the champions on paper certainly have the advantage, but I wouldn't count out Isaiah Walker and Stars and Stripes just yet because I think they're going to give them a real challenge. David can certainly beat Goliath, but Goliath is also seven foot six. So I'm not sure how that's going to fare in this game. <laughs> well, everybody talks about David Goliath all the time, but everyone kind of, I don't know if they forget, but David did beat Goliath. I mean, that that's the bottom line. So David does beat Goliath quite often. I think the thing about the Stars and Stripes team 
that uh, people need to keep their eyes on is the shooting, Josh. You mentioned it, the threes in transition. Dave Januzzi, I've been told, is one of those con Knipple, uh Brian Richardson-type shooters, like an older guy that just gets it done and can fill it up. So I, I would keep my eye on him. There's a couple of other guys on that roster that are worth uh, thinking about as well. Philadelphia University, Nick Schlitzer, he's going to have the home court advantage. He'll know those rims about as well as anybody that's playing in TBT this year. So that's something to keep your eye on as well. Cordell James is the only guy not from the um, Wilkes-Barre area where these guys are from. And Cordell actually tried to GM a team called Team 217 or, uh, yeah, I think it was 217 or 217. And he's from Memphis and desperately wanted to play in this event uh, and found his way in on this Stars and Stripes roster. I think the story with Stars and Stripes is going to be all about determination. It's that these guys desperately want to play and they're going to do whatever it takes to get it done. They're bringing a full complement of 11 guys. You know that they have a lot of fouls, so they may not have the size, uh, Jake, but they may be putting him on the f- on the free throw line quite a bit. Hack a mama do yeah. I mean, I just, why not? You know, I mean, they've got an opportunity to do that. Um, the other thing that you got to keep in mind here, guys, Stars and Stripes is wearing the Rocky Four uniform. Now, think about oh, yeah, that I... for a second. Now, Rocky Four, if you guys remember the plot of that movie, he was fighting who? Drago. Ivan Drago, the big six foot seven Russian that was apparently <laughs> completely uh, impossible to beat. No one gave Rocky a chance. Rocky's like five foot eight, five foot nine. He shows up in his red, white, and blue stars and stripes trunks, the ones that Apollo Creed, his friend, had been killed in. And what does he do? He goes and beats the Russians. He brings America and the world together and brings about world peace. Now, if the stars and stripes play as hard as I suspect that they will, and if they can beat this champions team, is it too much to ask that the same thing happened there at Philadelphia University at that seven forty five game? I think world peace is certainly possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I actually never thought about it like that, but uh, you know, those jerseys, anything can happen. Dan. I'm actually looking at them now. They're they're uh, they're they're very nice and swift, so they'll look good either way. For those that haven't uh, been paying attention, the uniforms for the Jamboree this year are inspired by the four first four Rocky movies, and what most people would tell you are the only four Rocky movies that really exist. Uh, first four Rocky movies. So what you're seeing are the trunks from Rocky One, II, Rocky Two, Rocky Three, and Rocky Four, and uh, those were those uniforms came from fitting that we're playing in Philadelphia. Um, guys, the only team we haven't talked about yet uh, is the team that actually is the first team to sign up in the West region, which was Primetime NYC, uh, GM'd by one of the true characters of TBT, James Ryans. James is kind of a fixture in New York basketball circles. And we just got his roster, obviously, and uh, it really looks great. Anthony Cox, Delroy James, Gary Irvin, Connor Voss, Halil Kenesevich, which is really a big name for him to get, I think, and a really versatile guy in an event like TBT. Marvin Roberts, Coyote Ayeni, Jesse Jones, and Joe Nickerson. This is a team, guys, that the team that wins that 9 o'clock game, Broad Street Brawlers or Las Vegas Chess Center, is going to play on Sunday. Uh, That's a really interesting squad, and that's a squad that really could compete in the main event as well, particularly with a guy like Halil Kenesevich, Jake. Yeah, that's a really great pickup. A guy who played in TBT in the first year with uh, the Philly Barstool team. Very versatile player who can step out and shoot a little bit, but can also bang down low. Uh, Delroy James is going to be an absolute problem. This is a guy who, with a, a storied overseas career, spent this season in, in Turkey and has been playing very well. Was uh, an Italian League All-Star in 2014. Uh, was a second division All-Star game MVP in 2013. Uh, uh, he's definitely going to be an, a problem for, for that team, uh, whoever it ends up playing and whether it be... Uh, 
uh, the Broad Street Ballers or the Las Vegas Chess Center. I imagine he's going to be their go-to guy, but uh, a very well put together team and a, and a nice job by by their GM James Ryan's to try and slide that in last minute, make make it uh, unknown that uh, he put together a very good team. But uh, it's going to be hard for them to hide for very long. I think so too, uh, Josh. Any any parting shots on the Jamboree? Anything we should know? Uh, well, what you should know is you should be there this Saturday and Sunday. Games begin 9 a.m. Saturday. Um, I mean, the Elam ending, you can't beat it. We're going to be there. We'll all be there. You can take a picture with your favorite podcast crew. So what's better than that? Uh, so come out to Philly U if you're around this weekend and make it a point. We want to see you all there. That's exactly right. We're going to have games all day. These tickets are about the best deal in town. 9 a.m., First tip, 7.30, last tip on Saturday. The first game is going to start at 11 a.m. on Sunday, and the last game is going to start at 4.15 p.m. on Sunday. We've got games all day. Tickets are available now. Go to the tournament.com and click on tickets to find yours. And don't be the last one out because it's not a very big gym, Jake. It is a very tiny gym. It's quaint, but the beautiful thing about a tiny gym is like that is that it gets packed quick, it gets loud, you can hear all the sounds reverberate through the gym. As someone who sat on the sidelines, it's very nerve-wracking to hear all that noise. I can only imagine how the players feel as they're trying to get in the field for $2 million. Uh, it is actually a fantastic gym. I think it's one of the cooler places in Philadelphia to watch a game, and uh, everyone should be out there this weekend, especially if you are a local person in the Philadelphia area who loves local hoops. There's a lot of guys that you should know from the area that have played college ball here, that grew up here, uh, and there's no reason to not check in on them and see how they're doing, because they're going to ball out this weekend uh fill you this weekend saturday and sunday is where you're gonna want to be and it's a great father's day gift to get your dad tickets hang out with him all day and watch some hoops and reflect on the time that you know you beat him in the driveway or he beat you in the driveway it'll be uh it'll be a fun occasion absolutely and if you can't be there in person remember you can catch all of this all of these games live on watch espn if you don't have the watch espn app you can see it on watch i mean sorry on espn three all right guys thanks so much for your time everybody thank you for listening and we'll see you next time (laughs) 